Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, now presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Coming up on this week's episode, hockey is officially back. The Blackhawks are a week into training camp with three games under their belt. Chris Cook, Adam Burrish, and I will break down the opening week, who's impressed and how this team is shaping up. And then later in the show, Showtime himself joins our own Adam Burrish, coming off a career season and looking to lead Chicago back into to the postseason when the season starts in two weeks in Prague. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. And Kane's got it into the zone. Here's Keith. He'll tee it up. He's going. Keith. This is Blackhawks Insider, Carter Baum joined by Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. And gentlemen, we have a new partner, we have hockey, we have games, we are a week out uh, from a big trip to Europe. It's an exciting time of the year, and I don't know about you guys, but the momentum is in full swing. Kind of fun to watch all the fans kind of get into it, the players are into it. It was a long summer, longer than the Blackhawks wanted, obviously. Uh, but there's a lot of excitement around this team, a lot of uh, excitement around the youngsters, as well as that core group is back and appears really hungry for more. I just want to make it known that I drive a Chevy, too. So for the sponsorship people, too, if uh, Chevy's listening and I know it's all about Kane and Taves, but let's make it a little about me, too, because I'm a Tahoe guy. So Kane, Taves and Burrish that drive Chevy in Chicago. We'll, we'll get that updated for right, next week's deal. episode. No, but it's been I think it's been fun now that the season starts. I know the players like it at day one in training camp is brutal. It's the testing. You want to get to the games and you want to see the fans and being on the road for the first two and then. Now coming back to the United Center, I think not until preseason. Once you get that first preseason home game, does it really feel like you're back again and hockey's starting and the season's going again? Um, after after the first game here at the United Center, I think everybody starts to feel like hockey's back now. Well, hockey and those games got back in quick quick swing. The Blackhawks had three games in three nights to open up the week. First on the road, a 4-3 overtime loss to the Washington Capitals. Uh, then a 5-3 loss to the Red Wings on the road before returning back home to the United Center on Wednesday night and a 2-1 win over Detroit. We saw a lot over the course of three games, 45 different players dressing for the Blackhawks, a very deep roster that is in the process of being trimmed down right now. We saw Alex Nylander, Adam Boquist with a goal and assist in the opener. Uh, Alexi Sorella had a tip-in goal. Uh, in the loss to Detroit, Dominic Kubelik had two goals, a really big performance from him in his first game with the Blackhawks. Philip Holm also finding the score sheet. And then uh, a come-from-behind win in the first official game at the United Center of the season. And even official, I guess, is a loose term there when exhibition play. But Brandon Hagel, a hard four-check, forces a turnover from Jonathan Bernier behind the goal. A short side shot beats him to tie it up 1-1. And then Duncan Keith, a rocket from the top of the circle. A beautiful shot. 
Uh, nice cross-ice feed from Patrick Kane there. Uh, the eventual game winner, Corey Crawford, making 23 saves on 24 shots. And really, as each game went along, we saw a little bit more and more of what this team might look like going into the season. More veterans being added to the rotation uh, and really better performances all the way around. Coach Jeremy Calvin is already messing up, uh, messing with the lines, kind of getting what he wants to put in there. The guys I've been impressed with, the guys I'm keeping the closest eye on, it's always fun to watch Kane and Taves with the puck. But it's those those young players who are going to be able to who try to sneak into the top nine or top top 12. And so I'm talking about Kubalik. Um, guys like Perlini, uh, you know, obviously I think Nylander uh, showed some skill. Those are the three guys right there are kind of in the mix for maybe a top nine spot. Uh, and we got to find out, can they play, but also who can they play with? And I think we saw Jeremy Collison kind of trying some different things. And uh, Kubelik really impressed me the other night uh, in, in Detroit. He really was on the puck. He goes to the net, which I really like, and he's got a great shot. And not just that one-timer, but he's, re- he th- he, he's ready to fire at all times, which is a good thing. And he said afterward, I don't really hold on to the puck much. I shoot, which is very important for the Blackhawks. And speaking of shooting, it just popped into my head, Carter, when you were talking about the Duncan Keys, and you said a blast. And I, I, to be honest, the last year or two, we haven't said that about Duncan Keith, just ripping the puck hard and um, just kind of an interesting thing. Last season, at the end of the season, he took a Gustafson stick and Gustafson uses this big hook. Uh, Keith had never used a huge cook, hook. He had, uh, sorry, Chris Cook. <laughs> he had already used a toe, always used a toe curve and he used a Gustafson stick last year, scored a goal with it. And all the guys were kind of laughing because he's the most anal guy about his sticks. He's a trainer's nightmare with his equipment and sticks especially and so he had a good game with it and I think he had been using it all season and a big hook uh, for people listening it helps with your shooting it's sometimes harder to catch pass to handle pucks not a problem for Duncan he's obviously a great passer and a great puck handler so he obviously wanted to get a little more zip on his shot so if you look at his stick when you're watching games now, you're going to see a bigger hook, and I think that's part of the reason he's really zipping it right now. It's it's because he changed his stick. But yeah, I agree with I agree with Chris though. It's it's the young guys that are really the ones that the coaching staff and fans should keep an eye on. And who's going to make this team? I'm pretty sure Kane and Taves are going to be in the top six. Um, but because I, they drive Chevys. Because they drive Chevys. Yep. I, cha-ching. Um, but I, I think it's 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 Kubalik. It is, and uh, you know, then you go back to the back end with Boquist. Um, I think everybody's itching to see Doc uh, when he gets healthy, get back out there. But um, Kubalik and, and Nylander, If you listen to the game last night, you heard Mark Crawford between periods talk about with Nylander, it's what he does away from the puck and, and his attention to detail. And I think if there's been something a, a knock on him, it it has been that when he's got the puck, he's he's magic. He can, he's creative. He's got unbelievable hands. Every level he's ever played at, he's completely lit it up. But let's see what you can do without the puck in the NHL because guys are so smart. If you take a, a second or three seconds off and kind of lose focus, the guy gets behind you and ends up in your net. I do want to get into that forward depth, and there's a lot to talk about there with, so, like you mentioned, so many different options and even what the top lines look like. But just a little bit of news coming out of camp uh, on Thursday, Alexi Gravel reassigned to Halifax. Six goaltenders in camp. This is the point where you're through three games in three days. You're trying to really start to whittle down this roster. He's a guy who's going to have a big season in Halifax, looking to get back to not only the President's Cup final, but the Memorial Cup final a year ago. He's looking to take a much bigger leadership role there and uh, a bright future for him. But at 19 years old, he's still got a big season ahead of him in juniors. Kirby Doc uh, hasn't participated thus far in training camp. He's out with concussion protocol. 
no update from the team on a timeline for him. Jeremy Colleton has said there's not a rush for him. They don't want him to rush back onto the ice. They know what he can do. Uh, they don't want him to feel like him missing out on some of these on-ice sessions is going to hamper his ability to potentially make this team because you never want to rush someone back too early from a head injury. Good news, Calvin DeHaan, who was out early in camp with shoulder surgery and a little bit of a groin strain, started skating on Tuesday and Wednesday. Good to see him getting back and into the mix and really learning this system. And he spoke to us after Tuesday's uh, practice and said, it's a similar system as to what he played on the island in, in New York. And it's something that he's been in the meetings. He's been uh, watching practice, even though he hasn't been able to partake and really starting to pick up because the defensive end has been a big focus for Jeremy Colleton and the staff so far uh, during training camp. As it should be, considering how many goals they gave up last season. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we can talk about the offense and who's going to play forward, but really what it's going to boil down to is keeping the puck out of the net, something they couldn't do effectively last season. You know, I was just thinking, you mentioned Gravel. I thought he was very good in development camp. Uh, I thought he was very good in Traverse City. Certainly he's got a very bright future. But uh, I was looking at that game last night, and Corey was out there looking very strong. And the previous night, um, Robin Leonard's in there. And I was thinking, boy, Jeremy Calton's got it pretty easy as far as his goaltending right now. You've got two guys that are very solid. You don't have to even worry about that position. So you can focus on some other things. And whether Calvin DeHaan is ready for opening night, um, you know, you want him there opening night. But if it takes a week or two, that's fine, but he's got to come back full strength, and you've got to figure out what's going on in the back end, whether that's Adam Boquist making the team or not. That's got to be Jeremy, Jeremy Collins' main concern. Um, so far, we've seen some good things. I thought Brent Seabrook was very good the other night. Uh, Ali Mata, I think that pairing was, was stronger than maybe people expected defensively, and they also moved the puck a little bit. So that was encouraging. That's what I'm keeping the main focus on. Can they keep the puck out of the net? Yeah, I, I think it's – I agree with you, and I think the goaltending thing, now we're good there. No problem. Um, the defensive side, I think having Jeremy here for a preseason, now they understand what, what he's asking of them, how they want to play. I talked to a lot of the guys last year, and it, they were confused. They weren't real sure on how they were defending and what they wanted to do in, in their defensive coverage. Um, defensemen, do you stay in front? Do you attack guys? Do you take away time and space? And even in the game last night, just watching that, only the you know, third preseason game, the first one for a lot of those defensemen, there wasn't a lot of thinking going on. It was a lot of just reacting and going and taking away time and space. And for me, the, the biggest uh, the view on that was in six on five at the end there. And a lot of times, if you don't know what you're doing there and you're not real sure of your systems, you're going to be a second late and you're maybe not attack guy. Duncan and Siebes were attacking guys. Oli Mata was attacking guys, taking away time and space. Detroit just kept the puck on the perimeter because these guys were aggressive. Uh, the other cool thing that I saw, and uh, probably not a lot of people would have noticed it, but Oli Mata had a big shot block there with about 30 seconds left, I think, off the ankle or off the shin pad. And you could hear all the guys on the bench kind of, yeah, I just, I, you could hear it. And uh, he's a guy that I think his teammates are expecting to be like a Nick Jalmerson, a guy that's going to pick us up by blocking shots, rugged, tough to play against. And when you see a guy come in in his first preseason game going down and blocking shots to seal a win, uh, it kind of pumps you up a little bit and it gives you a little bit of confidence like, all right, we got a guy back there now that is ready to swallow some pucks and eat some pucks. And um, so defensively, I think over this preseason, I think going into game one of the, of the regular season, they're going to be a lot more sure on what they're doing back there. I want to jump back to your point about this being Colleton's first season, first full training camp. Are the Blackhawks almost at a little bit of an advantage because it's very difficult to come in midseason, uh, implement your style, really get that that training in. But 
a lot of these guys on the back end that are returning have now had several months with him to get a glimpse of it. Now they're getting the full implementation of two solid weeks of training camp. Is it, a, I mean, it's a little bit of a better situation than a new coach coming in during the summer, but is this group really going to adapt and take that to the next level? And, and how important are these two weeks before the season starts? Yeah, in training camp, it's you're on the ice for an hour and a half. Uh, you're not on the in regular season. Jeremy's not wasn't keeping those guys out there for an hour and a half. Yeah, there were some longer practices, but this isn't. You've got an hour and a half to focus on things you want to get done. And uh, and I'll be honest too, as a player during the regular season, you get a new coach that comes in and he's trying to change things and confuse you a little bit, if you will, just because he's trying to get. You're not you're not focused on that. You're 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 100 focus is not on the new stuff he's teaching because you got a game the next night and I got to get my body right I got to get my mind right I got to figure out where I'm what you know what what I'm eating for lunch today and what I'm having for dinner and then what time I'm going you got a lot of things going on in your mind in the middle of the season so your focus isn't 100% on what the coach is telling you and right or wrong but that's that's the truth of it now in training camp everybody's eyes are on Jeremy and they're listening and they want to impress him they want to do well veterans or rookies because let's be honest this year with missing the playoffs two seasons everybody except for Kane and Taves, I'd have to say, and, and maybe Dabrinkit, they're, they're playing for playing time. Um, Duncan Key's playing for playing time. Gustafson came up and was kind of now, is he the number one power play guy? You don't think Duncan wants to be that number one PP guy and play 28 minutes every single night? You're damn right he does. You don't think Seabrook wants to play 20 minutes a night? He wants to show the staff that he can play 20 minutes a night and be effective. And I agree with Chris. I, I noticed Seabrook last night and I, he was aggressive. He wasn't, he was acting. He was, he was acting on guys. He was jumping. He was quick on pucks. Um, he wasn't thinking about this new system and trying to do it right. So I think another, you know, another couple of weeks, 10 days of this practice of it at an hour, hour and a half a day, it's better than the 15, 20 minutes you get uh, in game 52 of the regular season like Jeremy got last year. And we will have to wait and see if Calvin DeHaan is fully healthy for the season opener. He says he wants to play, but he also knows there's 81 games after that, yep. in his own words, that you don't want to rush it back. It seems like over the opening week of all the defensemen in camp, two of the guys who were kind of those bubble guys have really um, maybe risen to the top of the conversation. Adam Boquist and Dennis Gilbert, two players who play a very different style. Boquist, we know what he can do offensively. He had a highlight real goal in the opening game in Washington, uh, stepping out from behind the net, going top corner, far side from a low mm -hmm. angle. Uh, and then on the other side, you have Gilbert, who was out there last night uh, on Wednesday, throwing his body around, getting into a fight, bringing that physical game, something that Colleton also likes and uh, very similar to what Andrew Shaw brings up front. Well, Colleton mentioned that after the game. He said, uh, Gilbert plays a type of the style of game that we don't really have a lot of those mm -hmm. guys, which is important. And that's and Gilbert knows that to make his way to the NHL, it's not going to be about scoring goals. You've got guys who can do that, moving the puck. It's about showing some grit and some physicality. And not just I'm not just talking about fighting. Yeah, we saw him, we saw him in a fight, but it's going hard in the corners and winning those puck battles. And the you know, Blackhawks, I think if they had a, an area last year where they didn't weren't so adept at that. That was that was one of it, but you know, Burr, I want to get real fast. We keep talking about all the changes that Jeremy Carlton makes, changes in systems. It, for the layman in us, what what briefly are the major differences between what Joe Quenville did and what Jeremy Carlton does? Yeah, I, to be honest, I think unless you're in those meetings and listening to the way he describes it, I can't give you a hundred percent certain answer. But just by watching, um, for example, Joel Quinville, when you're defending, it was two guys on the puck, and it sounds silly, but let's take away time and space as fast as we can. So if the puck's in the corner, 
One D, one D man is there, and then a centerman like Jonathan Taves has got to be down on that puck quickly. If that puck releases behind the net, that other defenseman with Joel, he's jumping on that puck right away. Nobody's getting a second to take time and space. When Jeremy came over, um, he had th- thought they wanted to keep more guys in front of the net and protect the front of the net, take a second, let guys recover from what it looked like to me, and then jump on pucks. And it was just different. Guys were used to running a little bit more and being more aggressive. And I think Jeremy wanted to take a little bit of a step back and, and protect the front of the net, and, and rightfully so, because I mean, how many times last year did we see pucks squeak out in front of the net, empty empty nets, guys, breakaways on Crawford or whoever was in net. So little things like that, which when do we jump pucks? Do we wait a second in front? Does a defenseman hold in front? Or if the puck changes side, is he going to immediately jump a guy? So it's little stuff like that, that as a defenseman, uh, if you have to think for a second, guys are so damn good in this league where if you give a good player an extra second, give Patrick Kane an extra second or two, he's going to find an open guy and he's going to make a play. So I, I, as far as exactly why, what they're doing down there, I don't know. Um, but I think it's pressure point, when to jump, when to hold the front of the net, when you can attack a guy. And at least last night, it looked a little bit more like they're going to attack a little more. They're going to trust each other that a centerman now may have to cover a winger has to slide down in front of the net if two defensemen jump and go and attack a guy. Um, to jump into the Gilbert and Boquist stuff, I, I'm, I'm right with you, Chris. Is, is Gilbert is going to have to make this team with physicality, and Boquist is going to have to do it with making great plays, defend well, but, but be an offensive guy. And um, the truth of the matter for me is if, if, if I had to guess, the Blackhawks organization, the staff, the coaches, they want Boquist to make this team. They want him to impress. They want him to score a goal every night. They want him to be a Gustafson kind of guy. I hope this first round pick is going to be everything we thought he would be. And I I think he will be. Gilbert's going to have to make this team the hard way. He's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to fight. He's going to have to bang bodies. He's going to have to win every battle. He's going to have to will himself onto this team. I think Boquist is going to get more looks. Gilbert keeps doing what he does last night. He's going to have to keep willing himself. He's going to get a real good look at making this team because they don't have guys like Gilbert back there. It's Seabrook and it's Gilbert and and Connor Murphy too, but all three of those guys, Gilbert, there's room on this team for a guy like Gilbert, but he's going to have to earn it the hard way. Is there something to be said for, yes, Adam Boquist is in his first year as a professional, but do you want him on the NHL roster right away or would you rather maybe dip his toes in in the AHL level, become dominant there, and then apply it to the NHL. I, I want him to prove that he's ready now. I want him to play in the NHL as soon as as soon as we can get him in here. I, his skill is off. The, I mean, that play he made last night where he dips it behind his back and then goes far side was sick. Um, as long as he can keep doing that and keep defending and limit your mistakes. I mean, the defenseman, if you can just make simple passes, his offensive side, fine. But when you get the puck in the D zone, can you win a battle in the corner? Can you defend? Can you break up plays in the neutral zone and then transition to offense? Uh, I want Boquist to play. This staff wants Boquist to play this year, but is the consistency there? We'll see. He's going to get the looks. I can promise you that. He's going to get every single look this preseason to make this team, Um, and and I hope he can because I think being around him a little bit too, he's a guy that I think his teammates are going to really like. He's got a fun personality. He's a fun guy to be around. so I, he's going to get the looks, and teammates like him. And um, but there's room there's room for Gilbert too. But he's going to Gilbert's going to have to do it the the hard way. I think even in the locker room today, he was poking a little fun at Duncan Keith, saying, "Yeah, this is his 17th training camp." <laughs> Adam Boquist, I think, was two years old when Duncan Keith started attending That's NHL great. training camps. So Duncan's going to love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, on the back end, it's maybe a little more cut and dry, a few options. But offensively, 
you know, we, we talked about maybe the line combinations and starting to develop some of that chemistry on Tuesday. It was Alex to uh, Strom and Shaw on a line Shaw's grit, really complimenting the skill of the other two, the, the two best friends there on the other side of his line Wednesday night. It was Alex Nylander slotting in next to Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Jeremy Colleton saying he liked the, the skill and the way that Nylander was able to open up the game for the other two on the ice. And he specifically called out the way Nylander drove the net on Duncan Keith's goal and really created that space, uh, created some options. There's some chemistry developing there. And uh, he, you know, some decisions to be made in the coming games. But beyond that, you look at the bottom six role and it's a wide open, a wide open uh, game right there. You have Nylander, Kubelik, uh, David Kampf, uh, Perlini, Sorella, even a guy like Anton Vadin, who has had a couple decent showings. There's a lot of names and just a very finite number of roles in that bottom six who's starting to separate themselves and, and what is that next step to really make this roster going into the final week? You've also got Carpenter, you've got Smith, so a couple exactly. of veteran guys there who I expect to be yep. in the mix there. Obviously, Bro, you don't want to go too young, right? Because yep. this is a team that they believe that they're a playoff team. Yep. So it's not so much a developmental year anymore, no, right? You want to make some, you want to win and you want to get into the postseason. So maybe you do wait a little bit on some of these guys yep. um, and then you go with some veteran players. It's a long season. You're not going to use seven defensemen all year. You're probably going to use, what, 10, 11, or 12. So maybe give those younger guys a bit of a look down in the A and then win some hockey games early on. And it's, you know, you need, this team needs some confidence early too. Right. So I'm, I'm, yeah, you're, you're dead on that. You can't spend the first month developing guys right now. You can't spend the first month having more tryouts, seeing what guys are doing, seeing if guys are ready or not. That's, I mean, you go, a guy like Smith, like you mentioned, he's a veteran guy that's played this in this league for a while. He knows what he's doing out there in certain situations. So, again, a, a, not a big splash of a signing, but a guy that you know you can depend on game one of the regular season. So I, I agree that you want to see some young guys, but this is the chance when you're going to see them in the preseason. And if they're ready, they're going to play. If they're not, you're not spending a week or two or three weeks seeing if they're ready in regular season games. This team needs to get off to a hot start. I just want to touch on Dominic Kubelik and his two-goal performance in, in Detroit. He had a really great chance where he literally stopped an Adam Boquist shot in front and then worked it around the goaltender. And then uh, a one-timer on the power play, uh, bringing a level of strength and, and versatility there. He maybe wasn't as dominant in the second game. Uh, he was playing two nights in a row. But what have you seen from him in his first game with the Blackhawks, really adjusting back to the North American game and uh, trying to find his own in this roster? I like his shot. Yeah. He's not afraid to let it go, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he, he finds some time and space. He doesn't mess around. He, when he gets the puck, he fires it. A very confident kid. Uh, I think his skating is fine for the NHL from what, what I can see. I think you can, if you're looking for a front runner among the young guys, I think you're looking right at him. He could be the impact player that the Blackhawks maybe didn't have at that level uh, last season. I think, and you know, what do I know, a plug like me, but I asked Christopher Stieg, and he agreed with me that I think going from North American hockey to European hockey is a lot harder than playing in Europe and coming over to North America. For, when I talked to Christopher Stieg, it was the same. He, he went and played in Sweden last year, actually, the same team I played, and he follows me around leadership, we call that. <laughs> 
Um, but he went over there and he's like, oh my God, this game was a different hockey game going over that way because of the space and how big the rink is. They, it's more circle back and reverse it and then reverse it again and D to D and then back to the defenseman. And you feel like you're playing ring around the rosy out there where you come back to this style of hockey. Now it's just, you're playing, you're reacting, you're going. Um, so for, for young kids, I think it's easier when they come over here, they're getting the puck more, they're getting more touches. It's more straight line. So I think it's a little easier to come this way. Um, so I think that is a positive for these for these kids that have played European hockey. Now they come over here rather than go the other way. But uh, I'm with you, the, sh the shooting thing. Uh, you know, this team didn't have trouble scoring goals last year, but you can't have enough guys uh, that, that are not afraid to shoot the puck. All right, well, enough of us talking about what's happening through the opening week. There's still a lot to be decided as the roster gets whittled down a little bit. Uh, more things start to take shape in terms of what this 2019-2020 Blackhawks roster will look like. But without further ado, let's toss it over to someone who you said we know is going to be on this roster and going to play a huge role on this team and taking it back into the postseason, hopefully at the end of the year. Patrick Kane joins our own Adam Burrish. All right, here with my good buddy Patrick Kane. And Kane, we're going to start. I'm just going to read you this stuff to get started here. First overall pick, 2007, Calder Trophy Rookie of the Year, 2010 Olympian Silver Medalist, 2010 Stanley Cup Champion, Overtime Cup Clinching Goal, Youngest Player to Score an OT Winner in NHL History, 2013 Stanley Cup Champion, 2013 Conn Smythe Playoff MVP, 2014 Olympian, 2015 Stanley Cup Champion, 2016 Hart Trophy and Art Ross Trophy, First Blackhawk to win Stan Makita, 1968. First American to win both awards in NHL history. 2016, Ted Lindsay, NHL Most Outstanding Player. Eight-time NHL All-Star. When you hear that, what do you think today? I think we only had 10 minutes on the podcast. So you got to like, <laughs> slow down on some of those. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's been a good run, there's no doubt. Um, but, I mean, we have so many great players in that locker room. Like, I was talking to Dunks the other day, and, you know, he's got – two Norris trophies like that's not a fluke to win two Norris yeah. trophies he won a con Smythe trophy he's, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion it's like and he's coming into camp and he just thinks about getting better you know it's like there's no, there's no satisfaction with with anyone in that locker room no matter what's happened in our career so yeah it's been a good ride it's been fun but I think all of us are kind of looking for a little edge and uh trying to get better every year so if we go back to the beginning you knew you were getting drafted first overall by the Hawks. It really wasn't a secret. But what do you remember most going in to your first training camp, first overall pick? I'm sure there's pressure. What are you feeling going into that first camp? I remember watching Adam Burr score a shorthanded goal against St. Louis. Damn right uh, you do. To win the game for us. I think that might have been the lowest uh, <laughs> amount of minutes I ever played in the game. I think I played 11 minutes that game, and you scored the winner. I think it was a 4-3 game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, first, uh, I think uh, Dale told me about a month before the draft that they're, if they had to pick, if they didn't trade it away, they were going to pick me first. And a uh, funny story about that, actually, it was about 10 or 15 minutes before the draft, and someone comes up and taps me and my dad on the shoulder and says, Phoenix just traded away, traded for the first pick. So Chicago traded away the first pick, and I'm I'm there thinking like, oh, like Phoenix wants Turris. Like I'm not I'm not going first, you yeah. know. Like I'm gonna go second or third now. And my dad's thinking, oh, I got to drive all the way to Phoenix to watch my son play. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's funny how we were thinking differently on uh, on that subject. But um, yeah, training camp. I didn't have a good training camp. Um, I think most guys probably thought I might be heading back to junior, but. I did. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I remember. I yeah. thought it was like 50-50. Yeah. And uh, I think the big thing was they kind of just 
stuck in there with me, you know. And uh, they gave me, they said they were going to give me the nine games to see how it went. And, you know, luckily Chicago was kind of in a transition period where we had some players coming up and we weren't that good, you know, the previous couple of years. So um, got the nine games. I played really well my first yeah. regular season game. You know, had that shootout winner against Hasek the next game. And I think... Um, I think games seven, eight, and nine. I think I had nine points in three games, yeah. and that was that was kind of it. I was up for the season. So you light it up then. Um, pretty much in a year, you, you become the face of the franchise. You're sort of the face of the NHL. Uh, are you feeling that? Like, do you feel that heat? Do you feel that pressure? Uh, like, you know, for me, I was a, the plug that was just having fun, lucky to be there every day. But I don't think, you know, even I'm in the locker room. We're hanging out all the time, but we don't really know what what you superstars are feeling. What are you feeling at that time? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Just trying to establish establish yourself as a player, um, as a top player in the league. And um, to be honest with you, like you said, we were just hanging out with each other, you know. <clears throat> it was like we were a group of brothers just hanging out, having fun. And it wasn't like anyone was thinking about anything except making fun of the guy next year yeah. or, or uh, um, what the prank of the day was going to be, you know. And I think that's why we were a good team, you know. We kind of grew up together. We had some fun. Um, and I mean, if you could go back and like redo that with anyone, like we all just came up at yeah. the same time. We all like grew up together and, um, it was a pretty cool way to start a team. And obviously we had a lot of success because of what we did off the ice, but, um, and I think that kind of transferred over to on the ice, the way we played, like the, how hard we battled for each other, you know, watching like guys like you and Eags chirp, um, other players on the other team. Like that was hilarious for us, you know, like it's, it's something I think we've been missing the last couple of years. And now like you get Shaw back yeah, and, you know, the thing that excites me about him is he, he fights. He's a, he's a small guy. He fights, but then he'll look over at the bench and he'll pump up the bench. And mm. it's just like, it makes you laugh. It gets you going, you know? Yeah. So I think that's things we were missing a little bit, but um, definitely something those like 2009, 2010, you know, Stanley Cup team had. So then in 10, we win the Stanley Cup. You score the overtime winner. Um, first, do you know where that puck is still? Has anybody found it? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's been 10 years, but I mean, uh, I think at first, like one of the linesmen, uh, uh, when they thought like he took the yeah. puck and went off the ice, you know, Pronger was doing something with the pucks that series. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. He was p yep. picking up the pucks after every game. Someone said John Madden took it. You know, he knew that was his last hurrah. So Mad he was dog. like, <laughs> he might be one guy. And I heard eager too. So it's like, <laughs> who knows? Uh, you know, hopefully one day it shows up, but I think it's uh, kind of adds to the whole mystery of the the goal. That first cup, what do you remember most about it? Or what's one memory that that you think is the most special from that one? I I got one though, because I I got my notes in front of me. But I know your your good buddy from Buffalo, Mike's going to listen to this and tune in. And he, I, one thing I remember is he stole my helmet that that game, and he still has it. And I know he still got it. So Mike, when you're listening, you come back to Chicago. You owe me ten bucks for that helmet, all right? I think I asked Parchy the next day what. Uh, like, like there must have been a bunch of stuff that was stolen from the yeah. locker room. He said, no, actually just two helmets. And the one my buddy was walking out with just on his head, and the other guy was, like, all worried. He was hiding Frazier's, Frazier's yeah. in his, like, hoodie. So, of course, my buddies took both things yeah. that were stolen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just I think, uh, obviously, from, from a hockey standpoint, the goal was amazing, and that whole run throughout the playoffs was, was really fun, sweeping San Jose and then yeah. – um, beating Philly and um, the celebration after was unreal. Like I still look back at like some of those pictures from mm. from those couple of weeks. It was just uh, um, it was a lot of fun. So I think uh, 
by the end of those couple of weeks, they were kicking us out of Chicago, telling us <laughs> to go back home and, and get away from the city. But we had a lot of fun and celebrated with the city the right way. And it's a good time. That uh, that was your first 30-goal season, too. Remember who assisted on yeah, that 30th goal? I sure do. It was in Dallas. Um, I think we were messing around with each other that day. Um, what was the prank? Uh, I forgot what happened, but uh, I think you guys pranked Hosa or something. And then uh, yeah. that next night, he's like, uh, he was talking to me. He's like, go to dinner with Burrish and Chirp. I was like, all right. So we, we all went to dinner. And then when you guys came back, he like soaked your sheets. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> Our beds and were you, soaked. And I came back to your room and you guys were just laying in bed like nothing happened. <laughs> and then like, you're just like feeling around like, what the, what the heck? What, what's going on here? And then your sheets were soaked. <laughs> yeah. So I remember Sharpie saying to me like, Kane or like you better tell us who did this or you're not going to score 30 yeah and it was like messing with my mind I'm like <laughs> should I tell him should I tell him but uh I don't think I ended up telling him I think he ended up finding out but I remember uh I think it was me you and Bowley on a line yeah and Bowley was on his back he kind of like threw it out front to you and you went behind the net yep. through like no looker no looker on your backhand to me and I just smacked in the open net so it was uh that was a cool feeling see i don't mess with hosa he was vicious uh 2013 cup you guys dominate that year your team was it felt like you guys were untouchable mm-hmm. is the second time in the finals what what does that feel like are you is it kind of more comfortable same thing still nervous what's the second time around yeah i don't know if you're ever really nervous when you're in it you know like looking back on it it's kind of uh it's one of those things like, how are you not nervous in that situation? Yeah. I think you're taking it game to game. Um, there's some highs and lows. Like if you lose, you know, you're, you think the world's going to end. If, yeah. if you win, you're you're on top of the world. So um, I think every game's a little bit different. But uh, we had an amazing team that year. We had an amazing run to start the season. I think we went 24 games without a loss. That set a record. And then uh, uh, almost lost to, to, to Detroit, down 3-1. Uh, end up coming back. Sieb scores in overtime. And, uh, you know, after that, it was uh, it was a fun ride, you know, the rest of the way. And uh, everything happened there in Boston, game six, 17 seconds. So fun way to finish and it And you win the Conn Smythe. Did you, is that something, do you think about that? Like, you're like, damn, I want to win a Conn Smythe. Taves one in 10. I got to win <laughs> one now. Um, is, that, is, that, is that a goal? I mean, I, I always tell people, too, with, with you and Taves, I loved it. And, you know, throw Sharp in there and Hosa. You guys always were competing to want to score and to want to be the leaders. And I think it's a healthy thing. I think it was good for our team. But is that something? Did you did you want to win that Conn Smythe? Was that something on your mind or not really? I think, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, when you get to that point, you had a, had a good playoff. And, uh, you know, I think I had a pretty good series against L.A. I had the hat trick to mm-hmm. to send us to the final in overtime, which was another amazing feeling, maybe one of my favorite goals ever. Um, and... Uh, um, you think it could happen. So, um, I don't know. It was cool when uh, I think Quinville came up to me after game six and he said that I that I won the trophy and uh, said I was deserving of it. So, that was amazing. Um, I remember having the, having the trophy and skating back and Taser was the first one to kind of congratulate yeah. me. So, um, that was cool. I mean, um, and me and, you know, speaking of like me and Donks, we were talking about that the other, other day too. Like, how cool of a trophy is that? That's like yeah. one of the best trophies in sports to be the best player throughout the whole playoffs to win the hardest trophy. Like that's that's um, that's pretty cool to have your name on that one. And then you go to 15. Now it's three in six or seven years. Is mm-hmm. it that one? What about that one? Is it like all right, we're in the finals again. We're not losing this one. That's how it looked yeah. for me watching. Yeah, I mean Tampa was good. I think um, we thought that series was going to be a lot different. We thought it was going to be like run and gun. A lot of those games were pretty close, like low-scoring games. I don't think there was a I don't think there was a lead in the series that was more than one goal yeah. until the until I scored to make it two nothing in Game Six. So 
it was a really tight series, and and I think both teams knew there was a lot of offensive firepower, so they really like um, sharpened up defensively. And um, yeah, that was I mean, Dunks was amazing in that series. He was playing like yeah. over thirty minutes a night, and throughout the whole playoffs, uh, had a big goal there in Game Six. So it was cool to see him win the Smythe. Best Cup team. You got three of them. Which one was the best? Ooh, I mean. I always look back at 2010, and I would say that one first uh, on my mind. But I think all of them are special. You know, 2013, we had a great team. We battled some adversity in playoffs and uh, uh, overcame that. 2015, we really didn't have a great season. Um, we were kind of fighting things throughout the whole year. Um, ended up finding a way to pull that one off. So I think everyone's a little bit different. But I'd probably say the best team was 2010. Yep, I agree. I'd have to agree <laughs> with that. Um, so we kind of got through that. Obviously, the 16-17 the, the season for you personally was, was your best season. You won every big boy award you can win. Um, was that season, you, you won all your personal awards, but does it does it feel like, damn it, I, I, we should have won another cup that year? What was that year like? Obviously, you played with Panera and you guys were magical together. Um, just, yeah. you know, quickly, what about that year? Yeah, um, you know, another... Another uh, really fun year, uh, regular season-wise, to play with uh, Panarin for those two years was a lot of fun. Probably the most chemistry I've had with a player that I've ever played with. Um, so it was fun hockey, you know. And uh, uh, what happened? We lost to St. Louis in Game Seven. There, you know, it was a one-goal game. Mm-hmm. Siebs hit two posts on the on the shot. It would have been nice to see that going and maybe go to overtime and see what happens, but. Uh, wasn't meant to be. The next year was a little bit of a struggle. We had a really good team. I think we were first in the West. We finished first in the West, and we just ran into a buzzsaw in, in Nashville, and uh, they took it to us. So I think we've maybe still been recovering from that. Yeah. Um, but um, I think especially coming into this season, it's like time to turn the page on on those uh, those last couple of years that we didn't make the playoffs and even that Nashville series and uh, regroup. I think we got a better team this year than we've had in the past and should see some good things. So Patrick Kane, when the lights aren't on, let's talk about that guy. 20,000 people are watching when they're not. What where you're at right now, I just read you this list of, you know, it's Hall of Fame stuff. It's probably the best American ever. Um, going into this training camp now, what's, where are you at? what's motivating you now? You're going to the, this year, you've won everything you can possibly win. What is it? Um, I think, well, I mean, you could say you do it, did it once. Um, and you know people might call it a fluke so obviously for me you know I'd like to I'd like to do some of those things again you know and uh it's not something that you're thinking about right now but you want to get off to a good start to the season you want to have the team get off to a good start I felt like I did a lot of work this summer uh on and off the ice to prepare for that and now you know we're in camp there's some pretty tough skates like uh hour and a half on the ice pretty much every day and um a lot of skating um, body doesn't feel the best at this time, but it's that's what training camps about. Mm-hmm. About you know, you're, you're trying to to battle through those things and kind of get yourself ready for the season. So uh, just building it up every day, and uh, hopefully when that uh, first game in Prague comes around against Philly, you're at your peak and you're ready to rock. One thing that blows me away, always with you throughout your career, was the seems like the day the season's done, you're right back on the ice <laughs> again. And I've never played with a guy ever um, that does that. Uh, you still do it today. Uh, what, what is why? I mean, is it? Do you yeah. feel like you're losing a step? Do you feel like you just love it so much? Why? Why are you always on the ice? I think a little bit of both. Um, I think I've figured out with me, it's better to kind of get back on and skate and stay with it throughout the whole summer. Um, 
But there's been summers, like uh, a couple of my best seasons, actually, like the the one season I didn't skate at all in the summer until training camp. And then uh, um, the uh, the next season, I don't think I, I skated till August 15th. But I think everyone's trying to gain an edge in the summer now. And if you can gain like a little bit of edge to start the season, like uh, going, going into summer feeling healthy and kind of building off that, then it could really propel you to a good start and uh, um, uh, maybe take off from there to have a good personal season. What did you focus on this summer? What was the big thing um, for you? Yeah, a lot of different things. I think off the ice, just kind of trying to stay strong, um, be uh, be kind of like strong through your core and activated there, and then uh, trying to stay loose and mobile too. I think as you get older, you know how it is, you know, like everything kind of tightens up on you and uh, that's something you have to work through. So trying to stay mobile, as mobile as I can. And uh, on the ice, uh, a lot of like edge work, a lot of uh, different things to get you out of your comfort zone, a lot of different shooting stuff. Uh, we work with Brian Keene here in Chicago. Um, he's uh, uh, really good um, for us. Uh, it's kind of nice to go out there when there's like two or three guys, like mm-hmm. myself, to bring at Strom, um, Taser, guys like that, and um, just kind of work through things and see how everyone else is doing it and, and build that way. Favorite trip you took this summer? Um, that's a good question. I, I went to Cabo. I always like to go, go into Cabo for a little bit. Um, we did a trip uh, where I went to uh, myself and Amanda. We went to uh, Utah, a resort in Utah called Amangiri for uh, four or five days. Then we went to Vegas for the awards. And then my buddies met me in Vegas. And then we went down to Scottsdale and played golf for you know five or six days. So I'd probably have to say that was my favorite one. Uh, how was your golf game this summer? The time we played, I'd say you were just right <laughs> above average. What am I at? Right now? I think my handicap's an 8.8 fitting, so um, try to keep it there. Yeah, you purposely put it there. <laughs> um, do you keep track of the scoring race during the year, your, your stats, where you're at? I know you always want to lead the league in scoring. Do you know pretty much every day what, what the race is at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I like watching the highlights. I like watching hockey when I'm at home, too, uh, on off nights, if you can find a game. Like, obviously, I like watching, like, McDavid. I like watching Toronto. Um, you know, Crosby and Malkin are always fun to watch. Uh, I like watching Panarin as well. So I try to find a player or two to, to key in on that night and and watch. But, um, yeah, keeping track of all that stuff, you know, throughout the season. Just to quick get into this season, what are you most excited about this season? You've been a couple days into camp now. What are you thinking? What, what's the team look like? Uh, what are you expecting this year? I think just the depth we have is, is a lot better than we've had in years past. Um, you know, you look at like, it seems like we were, we were always splitting up myself and Johnny mm-hmm. uh, to kind of uh, have that balance. But now you have Dabrinkat and Strom. They have some chemistry, so maybe that could be a second line. I'm sure I'll play with those guys at some point too, but... Um, I think just the there's a lot of options um, to play with certain guys, so that's exciting. And um, you know, I think with Jeremy, um, uh, it's kind of nice for him to have a little bit of time under his belt here and have his his own training camp, the way he wants to go about things. Uh, excited about our power play. You know, we really took off when Jeremy came in and Gustafson moved up top, and uh, um, think we can build off that too. Nine questions to finish up here. Biggest Good. weakness. For me? Yep. Like as a hockey player? Yep. Um, biggest weakness? Um, probably defensively. Biggest strength? Um, having the puck with space. Biggest fear? Uh, on the ice or off the ice? Either. Oh, man. I would probably have to say, like, I'm pretty claustrophobic. So really? being in tight spaces, yeah. Favorite hockey moment so far? Uh, yeah, it's tough to beat 2010 Stanley Cup. 
Your last meal, what are you ordering? Uh, big steak, guys. So probably steak, maybe baked potato, um, uh, asparagus. Maybe we get some uh, vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce for dessert. Nice. Favorite teammate? Um, probably have to go Siebs. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Definitely not Taser. Weirdest teammate? Weirdest teammate? Um, dunks, for sure. What are you most proud of? Um, for me, I just think, uh, maybe the way I've kind of gotten through adversity in my career. Last two bonus questions. Who beats who in golf when you and Taves play? Oh, me for sure. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> Come fell on. into that one. Uh, last one, just cause you, you mentioned a man, I got married a month ago. When are you getting married? Ooh, put me on the spot <laughs> on the podcast. Jeez, that's a tough one to finish. Hey, who knows? who knows? We'll uh, we'll see what happens, but congratulations. Good, thank you. And I, I'll just finish with this because I mean it, but I've played with a lot of superstars and guys, and nobody, and there's other people in this room that would agree, but nobody gives more time and energy to people when they ask, and autographs and pictures and photos, and of all the guys I played with, you're the best at that, and I think it's really damn cool, and go light it up this year. Thanks, Burr. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. That will do it for this week's episode. Thank you to Chris Cook and Adam Burrish, and of course to Patrick Kane for joining us. We'll be back next week recapping the final two preseason games before the Blackhawks head overseas and looking ahead to the season opening trip to Berlin and Prague. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. That's hockey, baby! Yeah!